0: Well, hello there, and welcome to this Calvary Longview audio message. We're so glad you've chosen to take a moment to discover with us the truth that can be found in the Bible, and we pray that you'll be blessed by what you hear. Today, Pastor Al is going to be sharing with us a message from Paul's letters to the Thessalonians. We can't wait to get into God's Word, so crack open your Bible, grab your note-taking tools, and we'll get started. Good
1: to see everyone, by the way. You've uh, managed to get through the open clouds, the rain and all of that other stuff. We know that in the Northwest I we'll be raptured first. You know that because he says in the clouds, he speaks of the clouds and we have clouds. Southern California may not make it. So I'm glad you've moved up and you've gotten wise in your age and... <laughs> Um, hey, real quick, uh, the leadership information meeting is Saturday. Guys, come on out at 8 to 9.30 for that. Be prompt, if you will. And then, uh, as Chip had mentioned, prayer uh, prayer and fasting <clears throat> this week. You can also send in prayer requests to prayer at com. And then, uh, thank you for the prayers for my niece. She went through that brain surgery. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to report, although, uh, to my understanding, they were going to, um, she was going to be, led out of the hospital i and i i'm so wait I'm like what that's good uh praise the Lord for that, but i am waiting to hear some more information on that, but thank you for your prayers, so <clears throat> we'll be praying this week uh for sure, and as he chip mentioned, these things here are just a list of things to get us started. come on out because we're gonna just pray as god would the holy Spirit would just lead us to pray for things. So with that, if you have your Bibles, turning them to the book of 1 Thessalonians, and we have some ushers that if you need a Bible, they'll give you a Bible, just raise your hands and they'll bring one down to you. This is our our second study through this book, and um, we're looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's great. So if you have your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and if you want one of those Bibles, you can take it home with you, feel free to... Take it home with you and make it a good friend of yours. And let's stand together as we read our text. Picking it up in verse 5, Paul writing to this church, he says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy uh, of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all the mess in Macedonia and Achaia, uh, who believe. For from you the word of uh, the word of the Lord has sounded forth not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith towards God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything, for they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we have to you. And how you turn from God, or excuse me, to God, from idols, to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Father, we thank you again for your word, and we just ask you to really bring it home to us. I, I have nothing to give these people, but you have everything to give. and may it be. By your word, the power of your Holy Spirit that we receive this morning in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, as I mentioned, our study started uh, a couple weeks ago. We had a creation conference last week and we watched how Paul was writing this book and this book, like every other book, has a theme to it. It wasn't like uh, the correctional book, if you will, to, to the Corinthians or The book uh, on soteriology is how does one get saved through Galatians or Romans. It specializes in that. Or the pastoral epistles speaking for themselves. But Paul here in this church, he commends them for several things. We saw last week it was for their faith, their labor of love and their patience and hope. And and in the the midst of persecution, that's what they were living for. They were living their lives out in Christ. They had, uh, you know come to Jesus out of this pagan world and they were walking in the midst of that now imagine you know we we always a lot of times will think of persecution as unto death which it could be but in 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 here in this uh saddle um in, in this letter in the city of Thessalonica many of the people were coming to faith in Christ from a pagan lifestyle they they, they didn't know God um they worship pagans Greek mythology whatever's out there grasp for something and they didn't have any hope their hope wasn't there couldn't have been real the Greek philosophers would always come up with something new something quaint something sweet something you know hopefully palatable for the people to be in ooh and aah over them instead of their deity which they really didn't have one not a deity that would be forever like Jesus a God who reigns sits on his throne is not dead but is alive and so they had come from this place of pagan worship to serve the one true God. Imagine that. They've come from this place of all their hang-ups, all their problems, and, and, and with, all, with, with that comes family and friends, your associates, your co-workers, everything that you know in your world today, that you make it an about-face and you come to faith in Christ, and they're taking notice of that, and all of a sudden you're not on their top five. You're not on their Fab Five, you're not on their Top Ten. They're not talking to you much. They're not communicating as much. And these are the things that are taking place. But the thing that took place was, again, they didn't just leave their idols. They didn't just leave that world. They turned to God. It's a big, important piece of the puzzle there. You just don't leave your life. I mean, I couldn't just leave drinking. I tried to give up my drugs and everything else in my old lives. I tried to give it up, but I was, there was always this replacement, I remember even uh, quitting drinking, I would drink a six-pack of Diet Coke night. Just habitual, you know, have it for me. You, you, you stop doing something, you've got to turn unto the Lord, and this is what we see in this church, and they're a great example for us today. And so when it comes to change, remember that change isn't our ability to change. The change that we need to make, if you're looking to make change in your life, it's going to come through God. When I was coming home from, interstate, uh, from work on Interstate 8 in San Diego and I was pulling up to work and, you know, some of you have heard the story that I wanted to quit. I wanted to be better. I wanted to be the better husband. I, I wanted to do these things. And I wasn't saved yet. And, and when Pastor Chuck came on the radio and he said, you know, I mean, this was just right for me at that time. And he said, you know, uh, if you're trying to get yourself cleaned up for God, that's his business. You don't have the power to do that. And I'm sitting there in our car going, wow, that's incredible. But then the same thing is said today, is it not? That we're trying to get our lives cleaned up, but how are we doing that? Especially trying to get them cleaned up for God. I mean, God doesn't care about what your life looks like. He wants it to be his. Because what he can do with a cracked pot is amazing things. What he can do with you and I, it's just incredible. Once we give our lives to him, that's all he wants. Just surrender, just come in. And then that's what he wants it from all of our lives. And this is where the church in Thessalonica was taking place. And they were a light to the world around them, the lost world, the world that was hurting just like them prior to them coming to Christ. People were taking notice of this and they're going, my goodness, what's going on with them? You know, and so people are taking notice of that. They were examples of the power that God has. And they can only boast in the power that God has. It's like you and I. We can't boast in it of ourselves. But we can boast in the power that God has to change our lives. And when people say, hey, you're not the same. Well, you know, what happened? You say, Christ. Jesus Christ gave my life to him. And have you ever thought about, you know, when you come to church or you drive through the cities, you know, before coming to Christ, obviously, um, I was watching horizon christian fellowship the church i attended after i got saved and on a day like this when the chargers would play out of town i would run by horizon christian fellowship trying to get to the game especially if it's an east coast game like today you know the seahawks are playing on the east coast and and there's traffic and there was thousands of people that would go to horizon christian fellowship and i was like what are these people doing But there's, you know, why are they, you know, what's going on in that church? They're not watching the game in there. But then also you drive by some of these churches and they have these sayings on these marquees, like here's a couple of them. Uh, Hey, hipster, Jesus loved you before you were cool. Or this thing here that says, do you spend your time with uh, God's book or Facebook? Or acting perfect in churches like dressing up for an x-ray. Or... (laughs) Or tweet one another as you should be tweeted. (laughs) I mean, so you wonder what's going on in the church with sayings like that, you know. And it's one reason why people on the outside today, I think, are more confused of what goes on in the church. I still think that people on the outside of the church that won't come to church have this idea of, you know, steeple and robes and, and this liturgic kind of thing to where, you know, you have to get up, stand up, sit down, fight, 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 and all this stuff, you know. That people are doing, and, and it's more religion, and that's what I think they have the idea of. You get these sayings, one day without pizza makes one week. What is that? How's that gonna save anybody, you know? And so this church, and when you think about the church in Thessalonica, they didn't have any reader boards, they didn't have any church apps, they didn't have any websites, they didn't have any cool smoke machines or you know, lightings or anything like that. They had none of that stuff. You know what they had? Jesus. They had Jesus Christ. And you know what? When they came to him, they had this genuine relationship with the Lord and that changed their lives. And that change is being noticed by the outside world. If they're coming, if we're trying to enter, you know, bring the, the world in through entertainment, it's only going to last for a moment. We'll have to keep having to entertain them. But if you give them Jesus Christ, they are going to be safe for a lifetime. Teach them how to fish or give them a fish, right? Same mentality you want to give them Jesus. So the greatest way for you and I to reach this world and the loss in this world, the loss of our family, is not through the cool things that the church uses to try and make it relevant. We have the only thing that is relevant for all ages, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so it's a, when the gospel is received, then you see the fruit of that gospel is a changed life. A life that was once lost, but now it's found. Once blind, but now it sees. Well, Paul, we pick it up in verse five, and look at what he says. He says, "Listen, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but uh, in word only, but also in power." You see what he's referring to? I believe he's referring to here is the the big time uh, philosophers with their wooing the crowds with their empty intellectual uh, messages, and and he's saying, you know what? The, you know what we have to offer. What's in these pages here and book covers we have from genesis to revelation not words by men they're inspired by god inspired to touch the hearts of people that's what god wrote this down for so that you and i might know him and that he can be known in his word and he says it doesn't come like the greek philosophers or you know all these self-help books and self-help gurus and all these people they want to give you help but it has no eternal value and so what he's saying is you know what when you look to them this, Our gospel doesn't come with words coming from men, but our gospel has the power to change the lives. That's huge. Look at the world that we live in today. We have a uh, FoxNews.com reported a, an abortion doctor went, uh, he died, and, and in his home they found 2,200 fetuses. This is the world that we live in today. The Miami Heat are, um, you know, the American Airlines is their, where they play their games. They have the American Airlines Center or whatever they are. Now they want to, um, now that American Airlines is not going to shell out the money or for whatever reason, they have a porn site that wants to do that. And so they're going to, I mean, it's in the making. I don't know if it's going to get, go through or not, but they're going to make it blankety blank arena. I mean, this is the world we live in today. The, we have no change in our political system that's going to bring change in the lives of people. We're trying to hold this thing together. The, you know, the country and the leaders trying to hold this thing together. But it's going to blow sky high one time. And, and we have, though, as we're here on planet Earth, we have the ability to see change here. Within these walls, we have more power than any government. Within these walls, we have the power to see change in the lives of people. Once lost, but now found. What's blind, but now they see. You see, that's the power that, that Paul is, is saying. Amen. I we didn't come just speaking these words that these Greek philosophers came up with, you know, the, the newest, greatest thing. But we have the power. This gospel has the power to change lives. And that's what you and I need to remember. In our minds, we have the power. The, the gospel has the power. But listen, it's also important to remember this. When we start neglecting or when the church neglects the importance of the word of God and stops accepting it for what it is, that change doesn't take place anymore. It ceases it. And so you're seeing that in the church uh, abroad to where the church is, well, just come as you are. We'll just come on in. And they're more concerned with being friendly, which I love being friendly, but I, I, or being politically correct, or they want to make sure that they're filling their budgets or their seats instead of being true to the Word of God. And, and, and the Word of God has the power to make change. See, it's the Word of God that has the ability to change our lives. And the word of God can take just a a damaged marriage and restore it back within everlasting results. See, it's the word of God that can take the drunkest or most drunkest person or the uh, deepest drug addict and restore them for a vessel fit for God's use. See, it's the power of God that can take the dirtiest mind and the filthiest mouth and make them clean and as white as snow. It's the power of God that is so powerful that it can break through the hardest of hearts and glue it back together and give it life again. It's the power of God that that reminds us of His faithfulness even in our unfaithfulness. God's Word is powerful. The writer of Hebrews says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even between the division of the soul and the spirit and the joint and the marrow. It is the discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. The problem isn't with God's Word today. The problem is found in the condition of the soils of the hearts of those who hear his word. See, God's word is still powerful. It still will stand upon its own and stand alone. It still has the power to change lives. But the condition of where it's falling in the hearts and ears and hearts of the people today, that's the problem. People don't want to be saved. People don't want you know. There, there is a, a. I want to take that back. There is a lot of people who do want to be saved. They don't. They need to see it. But there's also people out there that are looking out into the world and saying, "We don't want to be governed by anybody. We want to be. We, we want to be socialists, but we don't want to be governed by anybody." That makes sense, I guess. But Paul says here, you know what? In verse five, beginning, he says, "And in the Holy Spirit, he says, in much assurance." as you know what kind of men we were among you for for your sake. You see, it was was, and it is through the Holy Spirit that brings the word of God home. He brings a conviction. It's not you and I. And and so often we have to be reminded of this in our own family or friends who have walked away from the Lord. We remember that Jesus said in John uh, 16, he says, and when he, speaking of the Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict. The world of sin and of righteousness of judgment he's going to do the work we're we're to be faithful to scatter the seed we're to be faithful to tell people about Christ but we don't have to drive the message home that's his job the Holy Spirit's job he's gonna do that now some preachers may rely on this uh, raise their voice when it's time or let's get the organist up here and I like all that stuff but I don't You can't rely on that stuff you know I don't like to raise my voice But some people will, you know, they'll they'll accent certain times, kind of build it up. But what Paul is saying, you know, is we rely on the Holy Spirit to bring the message home to the hearts of the believers. We don't have to draw them in by anything other than your lives. And when they see your lives being changed, and they know you for who you were and now who you are, and they're going, something is going on there. Because no matter what we put on the outside, the facade we put on the outside of our hearts, inside we're hurting. Inside people are out there. They're hurting. I don't care what they say or how bad they tell you. You know, they don't need God. They don't want Jesus. They'll never set foot inside of a church. They will. You know why? Because I was one of those. I said that. I said that before. So you and I, just like anybody else, rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's incredible that He has the power to change your life. Whatever you're going through today... You may be going through some things in your life and you're looking at your life saying there's no hope. You look to God and allow God to have the freedom in your life that he, that he wants us so desires to have and watch him make the changes. The second thing is, is that I see here in verse 6 is to change your sphere of influence. Look at what it says. He says, it, Paul says, and you became followers of us and of the Lord. That's incredible. Remember who you used to follow and hang out with? Well, I didn't follow nobody. Well, remember who you used to hang out with? I mean, they became followers of Paul himself and others who helped them in the ministry. And and then, you know, also they followed the Lord. It was like, wow, I used to follow these pagan people. I used to go to the temple every Friday, Saturday, whatever, Sunday. I used to go there because they had happy hour, but it was part of my program. But now I don't do that because I'm following the Lord. So there's just dramatic change in their lives. But see, sadly, there are people and Christians who wonder why they have so many difficulties in their lives when they come to Christ. But many of their problems exist because they're still hanging out with the same old carnal people that they used to shoot up with or drink with or do dirty stuff with. And it's a good thing we need to witness to those people, but there's a time where it comes that we, we need to plant the gospel and let God do the work. That we need to plant the gospel. They need to know Jesus, but you know, we need to also understand that there's a time where we fellowship and friendship are two different things. And remember this, that bad company corrupts good habit. So we just need to say, you know what, who am I following? Who's in my sphere of influence And when you gave your life to Christ, what did your friends say? I'll tell you what my friends said. (laughs) Were your friends happy for you when you came to Christ? They were if they were Christians, but what about your carnal friends? I got, Friday night is when I uh, come home from work. Heathen Dog Center, everybody knew me. Uh, And I worked for uh, for Kaiser Hospital as a construction guy. I was no doctor, thank God. I was a, I worked we had our own construction company down in San Diego for Kaiser Hospitals, union uh, a job. And so I left there, and everybody had seen. They saw Al. Just, hey, Al, see you later. See you Monday. All right, later. What are you gonna do this weekend? I don't know. Well, I was going to a conference on Saturday. I knew that. I didn't want to tell anybody. Going to the men's conference at Anaheim Convention Center. So when I went there, I get saved. Right? I get saved. The first thing, Raul Reese comes down and presents the gospel. And what do I do? I don't understand what he's saying, but I need Jesus. And I come to Christ that morning. So we stayed there from, I don't know, I want to say 8 or 8.30 in the morning. And I am listening to the messages all day long till about 4.30 in the afternoon. I go to church. There's two services, same service. I'm at both. I want to be at both. There's a service Sunday night. I want to be at that too. Monday morning, I come to work and the first break, lunch break, whatever the crew comes out there, and I hadn't seen them, and they come to the dock, the shipping dock out there, and they're getting stuff off the lunch wagon, the roach coach, whatever you remember them to be, and they would say, they say, hey, how you doing? I said, you guys need Jesus. Remember, remember, they just saw me Friday, and now they're looking at me Monday thinking, I need Jesus. On Friday, I was hung over, Monday, I was like, you need Jesus. What do you think they said? Get out of here. You're on a new high, which is true, but they didn't take drugs or alcohol. It was the high of the Holy Spirit. And, and, but, but the thing was, is my friends didn't care. They didn't care one iota that I got saved. And sometimes your friends don't care whether you can say, that's good for you. Leave me alone. Right? It's usually the way it goes. But the, the thing is, is that we have to be consistent with it. This small church became followers of the Lord and people knew about it. You know what? Their lives took an about face. Say those are friends that I like and I care for, but they'll drag you down, and I'm not going that way anymore. See, whatever you do in all your years and months and days of following Jesus, do that. Just follow Him and never lose sight of Him. You know, you keep Him in sight, and all these other things, all these other influences aren't going to be there. You know, it's the Lord who moved into their lives, and the Lord who's going to stay there. Prioritize. See, He was faithful. And he's always faithful to remain the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He'll always be the same. And so remember that when Jesus called the disciples, what did he do? He called them, and what did they, they dropped everything. They didn't say, hang on, I want to see if these guys want to play another game real quick. Or, you know, hey, wait a minute, we had plans this Friday, we're going to go to the concert. And can we do it Saturday? It's more convenient. They didn't say anything like that. Oh, we got this fishing derby, and this, you know, we want to go fish. No, They didn't say anything like that. What they did was, dropped it. It's my whole life now. That's my whole life. And I'm I'm, going to let go of that. You see, that's where it becomes in. They dropped everything and followed Jesus. It was that easy. It was that easy. And the disciples followed Jesus, not just in the good times, but they followed him unto death. I'm going to follow you because Jesus was much more uh, influential in their lives than the world had been. But the world is always wanting to beckon for you and I and our attention. They're always wanting that. And so the church, this church, was known for now serving God and not the things he once held dear to their lives, even if the things aren't bad. See, I, when I came to the Lord, I played a lot of baseball, played a lot of golf, played a, and did a lot of fishing. When I came to the Lord, it wasn't that I had to really get rid of them, but he just wanted me to prioritize them. Look at it, put me first. If you put me first, your life's going to be much better off because these things will never satisfy you. So you get the phone call, hey, you want to go fishing? Hey, you want to play in a tournament this weekend? I said, no, going to church, I'm going to go with Jesus. It was kind of a tough deal, but if you want to hang out with me the way we used to hang out, I've got Jesus in my life, and where I go, he goes. And so, come on, if you want to come, I'm more than happy to have you. See, their sphere of influence changed, and that we take a look at that in our lives. It doesn't mean we just cut them off, but what it means is, I have, Jesus has top billing in my life. He needs to have top billing in my life. So we have those things. So, God had met these old pagan worshipers, uh, you know, in the midst of their trial. In verse six, look at what He says. He says, "And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with much joy of the, Holy, uh, of the Holy Spirit." You see, remember in our first study a couple of weeks ago that we were in First Thess- or excuse me, Acts seventeen, and we saw the persecution that came upon this church, and, and the Lord met them there. In their trials, the Lord had met them there. He had planted them the gospel. Their lives are being changed. And, and, and the Lord would deliver, wouldn't really deliver them from that, but he would meet them in the midst of that. The same thing he does with you and I. There's just times that the Lord doesn't just deliver us from our trials, but he met us and meets us in the midst of those things. So at one minute, this pagan uh, community, these people were coming together. They were pagan, headed to hell. They didn't have any direction for their lives until they met Jesus and then everything changes. It all changes. They now receive the word in much affliction. And I love that about the Lord because that's what he's in the business of doing. He'll meet us anywhere. He'll meet us with a message of hope, of salvation, of forgiveness, of healing. You know, whatever it is in our lives that we need, he's there. But first and foremost, what God wants to do is he wants to reveal himself as Savior. I'm here, I'll save you. And you know, remember, we can't get mixed up like the the Jews. When Jesus came on his earthly ministry, they wanted him to save them from what? The Roman rule. They wanted him to save them from, hey, would you save this? Is this the time that you'll come and that you'll you know, put us in charge and get rid of these Roman people? They wanted them, they thought, you're going to be king, I'm going to be your vice king (laughs) or your secretary of kings. I want to be your, you know, I want to be, where am I going to serve? But Jesus has something else in mind. It was building the kingdom of God on earth. And he says, you know what? There'll be a time for that. But now, now is not the time to where we're just going to, we're not going to take over. This world will become new. Heaven and earth will become new. We're going to have this new heaven and earth. And so, you know, you think about this. They, they received the joy in the midst of their afflictions that was upon them. Much joy that they had. And so Jesus met them. He meets us in those times of torment and affliction. He brings us this joy. Again, the Thessalonians believers—they had lost their friendships due to the decisions. They lost their influence, or their their friends, due to the decision to follow Christ. Sometimes that comes between family members, doesn't it? You want to follow Christ, and then all of a sudden, your spouse, or your child, or your you know your mother, your father will say. I'm not so sure that's a good idea. But you're going to walk that route. You're going to walk that line. I'm not so sure that's a good idea. But you know in your hearts that that is what you have to do. That is God is true. God is real. And you're going to follow Him. And you know it to be true. This is what the Thessalonians are put up with. But many, because they received Christ, they now have this greater input. It's Jesus. Remember Jesus said, if you love me, you love me more than You know, people look at that word of hatred, you know, hate your, your, they will come between father and son and mother and daughter and stuff. You love me more. He wants us to prioritize that. Do we love him more? Do we love him more than all this? And so Jesus to them was everything. So the trials that they endured were in no comparison and listen to what happened in their lives. Look at verse seven. They became examples he says, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believed. And we ask, what should the church be known for? Should it be known for this marquee out there that says clever sayings on it? And people wonder, well, what's going on within the four, you know, door, four walls of that church? You know, I see they have a potluck and they got bingo and they got all these things going on. Well, is that what the church is about? Mm-mm. You see, the gospel And the spreading of the gospel was spread in their lives. They were becoming examples. Others were taking notice to the way uh, what had taken place in their life, the change that was taking place. Since coming to Christ, the change was evident. It was evident. There was a clear line of demarcation. This is who I was and this is who I am. Because of their new life, they were kind of living out that 2 Corinthians 5, 17, for if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away and everything becomes new. They have that new life. And, and others were taking notice of it. Understand this. Others are always looking at you and I in our walks with Christ, in our lives. And they're going to take notice of something. Remember, they always come at you and they'll say, oh, you know what, God helps those who help themselves chapter and verse pal where's that from or they'll say you know they'll say something don't judge me right we went through this a couple weeks ago on wednesday night don't judge me but what he's talking about is christian judgment judging other christians not judging the world so they they kind of misplay this stuff but these guys like you and i are to be examples of what it is remember israel the jews were to be they were to lead us gentiles they were to we were to provoke us to jealousy we should have been seeing how god a, a true holy god works with sinful men and how that works together they didn't do it so you and i now we're to provoke them to jealousy and we're to live our lives not just the jews but to the rest of the world out there that how does this all work not that i have it all down not that i'm perfect by far i'm not but we're to be examples of, of how it does work. I am I'm saved by grace and I live my life by grace. You see, the, the, the world doesn't want to come under these rules and regulations. They think of the religious sect, but no, neither do I want to come under rules and rela- regulations. That's why I'm thankful I come under the grace of God. And they need to know that. You see, some, even Christians, will make all the excuses in the world as why they don't go to a church or attend church much, or why they're not as strong as they should be, but they, they, they blame others. Listen, just follow Jesus. I'll let you down. I don't mean to. And I've let people down. It breaks my heart to let people down, but I'm not Christ. I am not Jesus. I do my best. Sometimes I even fail at that. Oftentimes I even fail at that. But Jesus will never let you down. These guys became examples to, uh, in Macedonia and Achaia to, to all who believe. The way you want to pattern your life, you want to live your life as a Christian. The Mark 10.45 says, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and lay his life a ransom for many. So in that, you think, wow, how am I to live my life? You follow Jesus. What did he do? He gave his life for others. How, do, how should we live? Another centered life. Now that's the way we should live our lives and be that example of what it means to the church. Well, excuse me, what it means to the world, what it means to one another. And then in verse 8, it says that um, the word of God was evident in their lives for you, for, excuse me, for from you, the word of God, uh, the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in, in every place. So this is how they were to be examples, is that they were uh, examples because they, verse 5 says they received the word, the believers in Thessalonica received the word, that here Paul uses the illustration that now they not only received it, but it sounded forth from their lives. I mean, they were ready to, in their hearts to hear. They just didn't come to church to say, well, I haven't been to church and a while, I'll come this Sunday. But next Sunday I'm not coming because the game's on or whatever, you know. They, but I'm, I'm coming this Sunday. Well, they didn't come with that attitude. They came with this attitude that I'm ready in my hearts. What do you have for me, Lord? What do you have for me? I want to hear from you. Monday morning, when they're sitting there in their morning devotionals, I, I got it, it wasn't like, oh, I just got to get a chapter and to get a chapter because I haven't read for a while. No, no, no. It was like, Lord, I haven't been with you for a while. Would you speak to me? I feel so empty inside. I mean, that just reminds me of the readiness of their hearts. Jesus said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And kind, you can kind of tell what was coming out of the lives of the Thessalonians is because it must have been God's Word. I mean, they're just encouraging. The Word of the Lord was sounding forth. You know, it's it's like word in, word out. You go through troubles, you hear the word of God, you go through troubles, and it's the word of God that comes out. I'm going through a hard time, but it's God who's going to spare me through this, or get me through this, or whatever it might be. I see every Christian needs to think this through. Listen, do others hear more about your issues? Do they hear more about your bum of a spouse that you have, or your personal struggles? Or do they hear how you're trusting in God through life? This is what's sounding forth through the young church of Thessalonica. It was sounding forth. Think of it reverberating off the walls. It was going out. And, you know, we think when we live our lives, are people hearing more about what the Lord is doing or more about the problems we have in life? What are they hearing? We have God that we believe in and we have faith in Him, Right? Do we trust him? And this leads us to what Paul said next in verse eight. He says, Your faith toward God has gone out. The word of the Lord went out. I mean it was sounding out, but he says their faith was also recognizable. This is what happens. Change comes. He says, Your faith towards God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything. I mean, look at they're trusting the Lord. This is what happens when people will allow the word of the Lord to get a hold of their lives, their faith begins to grow. They got problems I got problems we all have problems we all have issues we come through in life the older you get they hit more frequently <laughs> but you know what it's it's God's word is still there and it still trumps them every time see it's pretty easy to see how deep one's faith is because it's as deep as they are in the word and I don't mean in a scholarly way I'm not trying to say we have to be scholars. But there are those who desire to hear God's word, and then they just place their trust in Him. It's not faith having faith in faith. It's faith having faith in God. It's trusting Him. And I'll I tell you what, I'm just like the next guy. I'm just like the next guy that we go through things in life, and we've got to work through them and still trust God. I've been hurt, you know, several times in the ministry over and over and over again. And what the enemy wants me to do, to be honest, is, and he's wanted this for years, is you don't trust anybody. Don't trust anybody. Well, then that wouldn't be right because as the Lord is sending people to the church and people to serve, you've got to trust them, right? So you've got to have faith in God. You can't believe the lie of the enemy, so you're having faith in God and you're trusting God. And it may be something for you too, whether it's physically or whether it's emotionally or financially, that, you know, I'm being faithful, but you know what? I've got to just trust the Lord. And their faith towards God was had gone out. They're just trusting in the Lord. You know, their faith in the Lord, it meant that their lives were changed and their actions are now consumed by the Lord. It's as if they were saying this, Paul said it himself, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I don't, it's not me, it's God. See, if I was living, I'd be doing these things. But it's not me who's doing these things. I'm just trusting the Lord. And I am fully trusting the Lord. And so this is their their life now in Christ. Remember, before we were trusting the Lord, we used to trust in things like credit cards or overtime or idols or superstitions to get us through the tough times. Well, listen, these people were just like any of us. They had to work these things through. And their faith was found now in God. And that's where our faith needs to be found. Now in God, just trusting God. Doesn't matter the situation. Doesn't matter how big they are. And they can get pretty big at times. But we just have to trust the Lord. For you and I, it's no different. No different. We just have to trust the Lord. And I have issues, like I said, just like the next person. Things going on in my life. I've just got to let God work through some things. I've got to continue to trust God. And then in verse 9, it really shows that their lives showed this about face. Yes, they were trusting in God. Yes, they had walked away their followers of the Lord. Then verse nine, it says, "For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God." See, we are—we may or may not um, worship physically carved idols. I don't know if you guys. We got off at. Um, we went to El Salvador. Uh, for a uh, conference years ago and we went out to one of the ruins and uh, we were there and as soon as you get off the well we had a little like a bus, 12 passenger bus, as soon as we got off of that they had all their little idols out there, all their little heads, you know, whatever they carve out of trees and whatever they may be, all these little idols the God of this, the God of that, the God of that and, uh, that's pretty interesting so they, had, oh, they do have little idols like that but you and I as Americans, you know, we don't Hopefully have little idols like that. But we do have idols nonetheless, don't we? You think about that. They even name them. American Idol. Well, we have American Idol. Right? We have Teen Idol. We want. Who wants to be a millionaire? Well, that's an idol. We have all these reality shows that will let you and con- try and convince us that maybe we can live in a different manner. That maybe this will make us happy or that will make us happy. And, and truly, you know, when we think of things, the biggest idol that we have is ourselves. Right? We, we idolize ourselves. We spend millions of dollars uh, trying to take care of ourselves. The newest fads, the clothing, the fastest cars, the faster machinery. I, I think I told you this story a couple weeks ago. We were at my uh, son's and my daughter-in-law's and she picked up my phone. I have an iPhone 7. I, it's just an iPhone 7, right? And she picked it up and says, oh, you got the old phone. You got the old phone. I said, I got the old phone. I paid for it though. I like that phone. But that's how fast things go. Well, and it got me to thinking, I'm going to be honest. The new iPhone 11 comes out. I only do three things on a phone. I can use a rotary phone and be just as happy because that's all I do on them. You know? But, but yeah, the iPhone 11's coming out and just so I, yeah, I'm just kidding. I, but, but there are we want to idolize ourselves, right? We have millions of dollars of trying to keep our bodies from decaying. Right? We go to the gym to work it out an hour and we might lose that hour and live an hour longer, but we lost it working out. I mean, <laughs> all the toys, all the shiniest teeth, all these things that are out there, they turn from that. So it's a lifestyle, right? And the Thessalonians, when they receive the word of God, they turn from their idols to serve the one, the living and true God. They turn from, and understand this is what is important. They turn from and to From the world to the Lord. Again, sometimes we just try and turn from things. You know, you you turn from things. I remember in 1985, I was in a drug uh, treatment center in San Diego. And um, about a week after I was there, uh, I told my counselor, I said, I'm out of here. I can't stand this anymore. She goes, you're going to fall back in your drugs i said are you kidding me i'm stronger than that now i've been sober for seven days i've got it now It lasted about a month because i doesn't to turn to nothing with power you see it was like the thessalonians were singing this hit song the cross before me the world behind me no turning back they were singing that song you know it's, it's christ if you don't turn to christ you can turn from your dope dealer from your sin or from the people you hang out with. You can turn from that, but there's always going to be somebody else to meet you there. You know, it's like this. Some people say, you know, well, I got to leave this town or whatever town they're from. I got to leave this town because there's too much bad. Cool, look, you go to the next town, the devil's over there too. Or you go to the next state, he's over there too. The thing that you need to do is you need to turn from the people you're hanging out with and turn to God. God is the one who's able to save you. God is the one who's able to keep you from all this stuff. Without God, there's no help. And so there's a famous excuse that's by many people. that says, I don't used to do it as much as I used to. Or they say, well, now that it's legal, it's okay. And I you, you know, I hear these all the time. I'm saying, listen, did you turn from those things to God? Make sure that you're making that transformation. You just don't turn from a lifestyle, but make sure that replacement is Jesus Christ and let him fulfill your life. Then we'll close with this in verse uh, ten. Not only did all of these things come upon them, but then they found themselves waiting patiently for the Lord. And this is a great way to be an example of the people around you. They're looking in the world that they live in, and all the persecution was going on among these people, and they waited on the Lord. Look at verse ten, and he says, "And to wait for uh, to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come." You see, no matter what was going on in the world, they weren't enamored by that. The persecution, the hard times. They weren't enamored by that. What they were doing was they were very living in a way to where they were ready for the Lord to return. You don't hear that much in the world today. But they were waiting for the Lord. It doesn't mean that they were just sitting in their lounge chair, you know, taking out their iPhone 7, We should have iPhone 11. They weren't doing that. They were waiting on the Lord as a waiter would serve. Gail uh, um, Irwin used to say that. Used the example of if you're waiting, wait as a waiter would to the tables, go around serving God. Serve God as you're waiting. And you're waiting. They waited patiently, and and that's what you and I we want to be found doing in our lives: waiting patiently for the Lord. Doesn't mean we put away for tomorrow. We're not to be you know ignorant of those things, but we need to live our lives in that. Are we waiting for the Lord? What, what if, and is the Lord coming back? Are you, are you, you, know, are you sensing that? You see the things that are happening in the world. Iran is heating up in, in the uh, Middle East. He's heating up in a way to where if you look at the things that are going on in the world, you're like, going, this is crazy. Ezekiel is about ready to just explode with all these open prophecies that are taking place. They're going to take place, but they're there. You see, and we see this. Are we waiting for the Lord and they're waiting, again, they're not just sitting around, but they're actively living their lives for Jesus. They're, you can tell that their faith is active, the Word of God is active in their lives, they're being active within their fellowship, and, and serving Him, not, again, not by being changed by the world. They're, they're not allowing the world to be conformed by the world, but they're allowing their lives as they're waiting to allow the Word of God room in their lives, in their ears, in their hearts, by the power of the Holy Spirit to be changed. And he says this, He says that their hope is set on being delivered from the wrath to come. You know, they were already going through uh, this hard time, their affliction. They received the word in affliction in verse 6. But he says, you know what? You're going to be delivered from wrath. That wrath is anger, indignation. It's uh, vengeance or wrath. And notice the word usage of the word from. Noah was delivered through the wrath, but Lot was delivered from the wrath and the Thessalonians just like every every believer is delivered from the wrath is to come listen we're not delivered so much from our consequences today you see the things that are taking place but there's a wrath that will come upon a Christ rejecting world that everyone who believes in Jesus Christ will be spared delivered from that wrath and that's worth living for is it not I mean, am thinking, man, I don't care how bad it gets. This world is the worst it ever gets for the believer. But it's the best it ever gets for the unbeliever. So you look at the world out there, and I'll tell you, you know, everybody likes to talk about the love of God, the love of God. I'm down. I love the love of God. I'm so thankful he loves us. I'm so thankful that uh, he loves the world, that he sent his only begotten son, that who shall ever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm so thankful for that. But nobody wants to talk about the wrath. There is a wrath that's coming. And there's a wrath that's coming upon this world soon. I find it interesting that some of the um, politicians are out there. And they're saying, you know what? We got about 10 to 12 years for this uh, planet to, because of climate change, we're going to be dissolved. I don't think it's climate change. I think it's Jesus changing. I think he's going to meet us in the clouds. I think that he's going to give you them, whoever doesn't want Jesus now, He's going to give them exactly what they want, life without God, on earth. And you're, you and I are delivered from that. You and I who will trust in God, you say, well, what if I die before him? Well, you go to be with the Lord, the absent from the body is present with the Lord. But listen to this, you also, um, there's, there's uh, wrath in hell. You think about the wrath of hell, you're delivered from that as well. I mean, that darkness, utter darkness, ongoing forever and ever, and why are we delivered that from that? Because of God, because of Jesus Christ and His grace for us. You see, these, this church, this early church here, they, they lived a pagan life and they came out of it and their lives were changed. I look in the world today, church, and I see that it needs help. It does. But I see it, we are the help. It's not just me standing behind a pulpit and well, I'm going to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You guys, when you go out there, and myself included, when we go out into the world, we should be an example to that world that there is hope in Christ. And only in Christ is there hope. Don't be shut down by the political things that are out there. Just continue to be faithful in Jesus Christ. And let me close with these thoughts. The the, The Word of God here went out with power. What do you need to change in your life? Let God's power get a hold of it. You see, in the world, uh, or is the world finding, or is our hearts, in our own hearts, are we finding fertile ground uh, to where our hearts are receiving the Word of God? Or are we trusting in the promises that He's given to us? Or are we more just being complainers, pointing fingers? Or has the sphere of our influence changed since coming to Jesus? Or are we being drugged back, remember, bad company corrupts good habits? is our faith recognized by others listen this is important because what do our children see what are our children who are we're taught one thing in sunday school and they go home and they're taught something six days seven days of the week 24 hours a day seven days a week they're taught they're taught a message at home what are they seeing are they seeing a mom and dad who will trust in god a mom and dad whose faith is real and is genuine and their lives are being changed Is our faith recognized by others? And then lastly, are we waiting for his soon return? Urgency. Are we urgent? Are we expecting that? Doesn't mean we won't put away for tomorrow. But are we waiting? Are we are we Lord, the Lord can come back at any time. Are you living with that? If I live with that, if I live in that manner, then I'm gonna be living with the manner of conscience of what's going on in my own life. What is it that's going on? What am I taking into my own life? What excuses am I making? You know, stuff like that. But again, believers, we have to trust, as, as Christians, we have to trust in the Lord. We don't know the time or the hour, but if you open up your windows, you can see the season is upon us. People, uh, I, I think of a song, Amy, not Amy Grant, but uh, one of the guys used to sing it. I um, can't remember her name, it slipped stopping me. Mean. People get ready, Jesus is coming to take from the world his own. Let's be ready. This morning, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that's where it's all at. You need to come to Christ. Not for my sake, do you need to, for your sake. I'd love to see you come to Christ. I want I want to see people coming to Christ. I want to see people born again. I want to see lives changed. That's what Jesus, that's the heart of Christ. But it's only gonna happen through Jesus Christ. It's only gonna be happening through the work that he does and the conviction that he brings through his Word. works. Let's stand together.
0: We hope you've enjoyed spending this time in God's Word, and our prayer is that you'll take it with you and apply it to your life. If you'd like to learn more about Calvary Longview, visit our website at cclongview.com. While you're there, you can find more teachings, request prayer, or even find out how you can get involved with what God is doing in our city. We hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you back here next time. And remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.